Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Templey. sexual nature it should be for people that are 18 years or older heed my warning people i do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show the facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims my description of the crime scenes are what i saw with my own two eyes If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today I'm going to be continuing with part two of Pad Tracks, P-A-D-T-R-A-X. And... Stay tuned at the end of the show for some more announcements and all that good podcaster stuff. But I want to thank each and every one of you. I love you. Your lifers rule the world. Hashtag lifers rule. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Patreon members, you rock. Thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. And y'all, thank you for telling everybody that you know about me because you're making real life real crime continue to blow up generically it's crazy the growth that i appreciate it thank you thank you thank you stay tuned at the end of this show and let's roll with it okay so when i left you last we're on pad tracks and telling you about the shit show evidence thing that's going on with this department and now i'm going to polygraph everybody in the department every single person i think it was 33 of them I explained the polygraph process to you, the beginning of it, and the, the main relevant questions that I was going to ask. And so I, was, I started, and I, I don't know, I, I can't remember the exact order, but, you know, like I told you, I, I did everybody from secretaries to where anybody that ever set foot in that department in an official capacity got tested. And so I started with, like, the reserve officers or you know, secretaries and, and whatever, and start bringing them in. And I was doing four a day. And let me tell you something, that's a real bitch. It's a minimum like 12 hours, sometimes longer. You know, I had to 
get each person in and go through this same process I told you about last time. Then from the rights to consent to questioning to polygraph rights to the medical uh, questionnaire to, you know, the explanation and blah, 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 whatever. Practice test or acquaintance test. And then the main test. Now let's get to the main test. That's, that's where I left off. I've just completed the practice test and they got the oh shit, you know, look on their face because I just got their question that they lied about. The one out of eight questions, right, that I told them to lie about, but I didn't know the answer. At the end of the test, I told them what was it they lied about. So the psychological set is stoked and they know if they lie to me, I'm going to know what it looks like, right? So really, there's no lie detector in the room. All it is is a instrument where you take uh, or the examiner is monitoring three certain areas of the body's physiology that change under the stress. So get into the test. I would do each test three separate times, and, but the test itself is very short. It only takes probably, I don't know, four, maybe five minutes, maybe less, but it's 25 seconds between each question. You ask the first question, they respond 25 seconds, and you ask the next question, they respond 25 seconds, and you get through the test, stop, and they're still attached to the instrument. You take a little break in between each chart or series, whatever you want to call it, and I, I tell them to relax at the end of that test. And, you know, uh, you can scratch or itch, move if you need to move. And meanwhile, before I ask them the questions again, I, I say, test is about to begin, please remain still, you know, start number two. What I'm doing as an examiner is I balance out their nerves. I, I make a couple adjustments if needed on the instrument because as the test goes along, they're going to get more or less nervous depending on whether or not they're telling the truth. So before I ask the questions the second time, I just adjust those areas uh, that I'm monitoring like I told you about. And then I'll ask the questions again. Boom. Stop. Let them take a little break for a minute. Let the arm rest because it has the blood pressure cuff on the arm. It's a little tight. And we do it the third time. Boom. Finish the third one. I unattach them from the instrument. I tell them to go have a seat and in the hallway, and I'm going to score the test. Well, then I go back and I score all three charts. And so many points to negative, you fail or deception indicated. So many points to a positive, you pass, no deception indicated. You can reach an inconclusive if there's no, not enough data to score or no opinion. And that's if you catch them trying to cheat or use countermeasures. I didn't have a problem that no deception indicated, right? And so I start rolling through these tests. That, I mean, I, I say rolling through them. I start conducting these tests but by the end of the day, you know, I'm tired. And, and then the next day, I got the same thing going on. Well, guess what? It doesn't happen. And again, y'all, I had to be assigned to this, too. It's not like the, the, the chief could just call in and do whatever. I mean, the powers that be knew that this was a total shit show. And I was going to be helping the agency out. But they also knew, it was gonna, I mean, when I'm doing this, I can't do anything else. I mean, if I'm working on, on this 12 to 15 hours a day, then I can't take any other cases, right? And shit, I always had other cases. But anyway, so somebody else catches my slack, but this has got to be done. And day after day, I'm testing people. And I think I, I sent one or two home for medical reasons. 
uh, and had rescheduled their test for a later date. You know, somebody just said, came in and was like, and when I asked them about how much you sleep last night, I didn't sleep in, I didn't sleep a week, and I hadn't slept in days, and da 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 da. And I'm like, well, go home. And they were like, no, 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 I could take the test. I'm like, no, you're not taking my test because if you fail it, I don't want you coming back and saying, oh, well, I told you I was tired and, and I couldn't stay awake. And I mean, you know, so I sent them home. And a lot of people were surprised about that. Powers of B that really didn't like it. I'm like, why didn't you just test us? I said, because I'm not going to have it come back and bite me again like it did on on that uh, false positive episode I released. So I'm proceeding through the test day after day after day after day. And, and it goes on. And then I get into the guys that I know, right? And in the guys that came up after me and then the guys that I came up with and the guys that I know and then ultimately the chief and, and, and when it got to the point where it was the people that had access to actually had physical key access to the evidence room I started with the chief first when I scheduled them right and then and I really I when they tried to tell me they you know thought they thought it could have been such such I said I don't want to hear that shit I don't want to know I don't want to know who you think it is or anything else because you could be trying to throw shade on somebody and it could be you I was talking to the chief right I said so just don't even tell me I'm gonna use the polygraph right y'all we get to one of the guys that comes in and I've known him forever and he's been in law enforcement forever and I really can't share much of the history you don't know who it is but yeah, bring him in, sit down, and we laugh about a couple things, whatever, and start going through the stuff. And you know, nonchalant, not he's he's not worried about anything. And the, uh, we go through the motions. I say the motions. We go through the polygraph process, if you will. I asked him the questions, or we made the relevant questions. Did you take any of that missing evidence, or did you slice his envelopes, whatever it was? And of course, he answered no. And we did the practice or the Queen's test, which I had him lie to me on one of the other eight questions I got. Is I picked which question he lied about. And y'all, I didn't, I, I was just going to tell you what happened. And I start to run the first chart. And I asked a question like, are you now in the state of Louisiana? Yes. And regarding uh, that missing evidence from the evidence room, do you intend to answer each question truthfully? Yes. That's what we call a sacrifice relevant, y'all. That's the first question that's introduced about the relevant questions on the test. And it's do you want them to hear about it before you get to the relevant questions in case they're nervous about it. It helps to take some of the, the nerves off the questions, if you will. And then you ask the next question, and then you get into the relevance. Long story short, ask the first relevant question. And you, did you slice open any of those evidence envelopes whatever it was and his shit went off the chart i mean the three areas of physiology that you monitor one of them is uh what they used to call galvanic skin response now they call it electrodermal activity or eda that's where you have the finger plate y'all or now Nowadays, a lot of people use the gel pads that stick in the palm of your hands. All it is is skin sweat. And But I have it set on mine, or I had it set on mine as the green line. And, you know, you're rolling along with the questions, and you're watching the line, and you, you ask the question, and he, he says no, and that bitch, ping, 
that flew up. I was like, holy shit. But that's not the only one. The other one are the pneumo tubes, the one across your uh, upper chest and the one across your abdomen. And they're measuring kind of breathing. And it's not really breathing. It's muscle movement that changes in the intercostal and your abdominal muscles. But anyway, so the more suppression you have during when they're answering that question and, and you're asking it, the, that's more deception indicator, right? I mean, his shit was flattening, flat, flat. And, and then the other area you're monitoring, and those were in blue, y'all. So it looks like a little, each breath you take looks like a little mountain. And if you're holding your breath, the mountain goes away, okay? And then I had the blood pressure cuff, uh, and that's measuring that blood flow into your artery. Well, you can see, it's so sensitive, you can see each heartbeat makes a line, right? Like you do see on the um, the hospital charts on the movies where it goes beep, 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 beep. Well, it's a lot faster on this. It's do, 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 do. And, and the theory is when a person lies that it increases, right? It dumps. Is that You have that basically adrenaline dump, however you want to explain it. And it goes up, man, his shit was climbing. And my, he had answered the questions, boom, and take off. And I'm, as soon as I saw it, you have to be a, like a great poker player because you're sitting there and this is your buddy. And he knows that he's lying, right? Uh, that, I mean, he knows what he's been doing and he knows that he came in there and he knew he was going to lie on the test. And so, but I have to sit there and ask the questions in the monotone voice and then ask the next question, no matter what I'm seeing on the screen. And I always told him that as the test goes along, I said, don't pay attention to me. When the test is going along, you need to sit as still as possible, relax as much as possible, answer the questions, yes or no. Pick you out a spot on the wall, stare at it. Don't look at me, don't move. Sit as still as possible, relax as much as possible, and answer questions, yes or no. Do not pay attention to me because I'm not scoring it as it goes along. All I'm doing is keeping everything straight and making sure you're not trying to cheat. Well, I always lied about that because I could do the math in my head as it went along. And he was smoking it. So I asked him the first one, smoked it. And when I got to the next relevant question, smoked it. When I say smoked it, y'all, I mean like burn it up, not in a good way, deception indicator, right? And he's still got to finish the test now he knows i know i know what's going on inside of his body i can see it on my screen but he can't see my screen and so i have to sit there put the poker face on and then get done with the test and i got to do it two more times right so we got a minute or two a couple minutes that'll let him rest we get done and 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 tell him you know the test is now complete please remain still for 20 seconds what i whatever I say, and then to get done, I say, okay, you can relax now. Well, kind of a bit of uncomfortable silence in the room because one of a couple of things are happening. One, he knows I got his ass, right? And, uh, or two, he thinks I'm, he's praying I'm such a shitty polygraphist that I'm just going to get it wrong, right? And then, uh, I'd have never ever thought he would have failed it. And then I started thinking, you know what? Just give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna run it again. And like I was going to anyway, right? So run it again. Same thing. Get the relevant question. He answers no about the evidence. Boom. The green line, which is the, the sweat, the pneumos crushed, the blue lines, the mountains, and the heart takes off just through the roof. I'm like, fuck. And then uh, get through, stop, 
and, and by and he, he's sweating profusely and in all of this by this time. I mean, like when I stopped the second chart and he went to move around, I had this big chair they sit in, y'all, that the your arms are raised up on and they're on metal platforms. Your hands are flat out on a metal platform. And he like flexed his hand and picked it up. There were puddles of sweat under it, right? And I'm like, well, here we go, right? And so I did it the third time and conclude the test. And I told him, I said, uh, you know, I take everything off of him and he's sweating his ass off. And I told him, I said, hey, you know, you can go outside and, and, and have a seat. And I said, I, I got to score everything, right? He goes out. I called the chief and I said, man, you're not going to fucking believe. And, and, and I told him. Now, they, they, I couldn't, the polygraph test is still strictly confidential, except for where I had permission to release it to, you know, the powers that be, right? And I got that verbally and, and, and writing ahead of time. But I called him and I said, man, he's just not going to believe. And, and he said, tell me. And I said, well, I, I'm not finished testing everybody yet, but he just he just smoked the test in the worst way. And he said, you think you're going to get a confession out of him? I said, fuck no. And, you know, I said, and he said, why not? He said, you get around with everybody else. I said, would you confess? You know, I said, oh, well, I'm going to try. And, and a matter of fact, I'm going to cancel the the rest of the points. But I think I only have one more after him. I said, you call and cancel the last one for the day, because I'm going to go, I'm going to board his ass. I'm going to climb up an air and trying to get me some of that, right? That juice. And, and I said, but he's got more years on the job than me. And I know, I mean, he, he, he I'm sure he's going to feel guilty about it and everything else, but he ain't going to confess. And I said, I wouldn't fucking confess. You couldn't beat it out of me if I was him. And, and then it's kind of my boy. Right, I said, but I, I promise you, I'm gonna try. And long or short of it is, bring him back in, sit him down, and I look at him, and he's looking at me. And remember, y'all, this is a real veteran, veteran law enforcement officer. But I told you, the best people in the world develop narcotics addictions or gambling addictions or whatever it may be. It doesn't make them a monster, right? They're not raping babies. They're not murdering people. But in my mind, I'm just thinking, you know, how sick is this cat, right? And then they're describing to you physically. He was older. Uh, he's probably like maybe how old I am now. Uh, he had glasses. He wasn't in the best physical health. It is a big dude. Uh, um, anyway, I'll leave it at that. And, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. And I said, well, and, and I said, how you think he did? And he said, oh, I passed it. I'm like, well, you did a lot of things today, brother. I said, I passed it. It ain't one of them. And he looked at me. I said, yeah, deception indicated to the relevant questions. I said, now, you know, I've been getting down for a long time, right? And, you know, I said, if you really feel like you're going to lie to me or whatever, I said, just don't say anything. You know, just don't insult my intelligence, right? And... He just sat there and he looked at me, turned red in the face. I said, now here's the deal. There's no doubt in my mind that you took the evidence from those envelopes and that you've been doing it, right? And and he didn't say yes or no. I said, the problem is you're a career law enforcement professional 
in the I know you're not taking the those pain pills to sell on the street for money. I said, I know it's not anything like that. I said, you and I are talking off the record, right? And, and I was, I'm talking old cop to old cop. I said, I know it's not for nefarious reasons, if you will. And I said, evidently, you got a bad pain pill problem. And he just looked at me. He didn't say anything. And, and I just kept, you know, trying to work on him. And I said, hey, man, look, you know, we can get you some help. And, and you know, you know, you're addicted to pain pills and, and we'll get you some help. I said, but we, we got to clear up the situation. I said, you know, it's bad. And in the, you know, evidence is evidence, right? And evidence is everything, right? And he shook his head, yeah. And he said, you're right. Yeah, evidence is everything. And he said, whoever did that is really screwed it up for everybody else. And, and I said, yep, and I bet they're really, really ashamed. Huh? And he said, yep. And he said, I could guarantee you they're ashamed. And I said, well, let me get them some help. And he just looked at me, and he kind of tilted his head sideways. And, you know, and he hung his head a little bit. And I thought, oh, for just maybe a second, he, he was going to reach out for the help, right? And then it, it wasn't as short as what I'm telling y'all. I mean, we had talked for whatever, and... Uh, but this is the meat of it. I thought for a second maybe he was going to say, well, you know what? You know, I was in an accident and on duty, which I knew it, this came back later on that some years before he had been in an accident on duty. And then th that's where it started. But I thought he was going to tell me that. Then, then you know, is old cop. I mean, he's not fucking stupid. And, and uh, you know, he wasn't going to admit to it because he knew we had dick. And now we could go back. And I told him, I said, you know, dude, we, you know, don't, don't make it be the hard way. And we're going to go. Uh, obviously, those envelopes have been slid open, have are going off for DNA. And he was like, yep, but... Uh, if my DNA comes back on any of them, then you know I, I sign him in, into the evidence room. That's that's a matter of fact. That's on paper. I see. Yeah, I get you from that standpoint. He says so. There's no probable cause there. That's my defense on that. And basically, it was like he was confessing without confessing. And we went through all the different scenarios and couldn't get the juice. Yeah, and then and, and and just we went for like several hours to the point where I was pleading and pleading to him about his wife and and you know his kids were grown now and you know the main thing was we could try to get him some help and all that and never confessed and and I didn't think he would uh, but he knew that I had to tell the powers that be that he failed the polygraph test to those questions and that I interviewed him at length and that personally and to this day and, and I'll take it I guarantee it to my grave he is the one that that took the the evidence from those envelopes and I, I ended up finished testing everybody in the apartment and he was the only one that was deception indicated I tried to help him couldn't help him but I don't blame him for being in self-preservation he was down the rabbit hole but he knew and this is how bad the sickness was. He knew that 
by getting that instant gratification and slicing open those bags and stealing that evidence, the pain pills, so he can get his fix. He knew more than anybody. He knew more than the chief knew because he had been there longer and, um, and had more years on the job. He knew he was fucking up everything because evidence is everything. And he even agreed with me, evidence is everything. Anyway, it was a real shit show. As far as what happened, I know they ended up dismissing a shit ton of cases that related to evidence for different things. And some, I think some of them were fault. You know, and then some people found, or they had to tell everybody or whatever. The DA's office did what they had to do, but it was just bad. Now, flip back. All the man hours spent. First of all, you got all the prosecutions, all the, all the shitbirds that get to walk free, okay? Then you have all the man hours spent, not only by the, the district attorneys in the courtroom, getting up there, all the different ADAs getting up there, handling these different cases and waiting and taking up the court's time, rescheduling because they don't have lab submittal forms back yet. It goes on for months. But you know, it, it, it just eats money and time everywhere, all the way up to the point where they have to go in and actually search for the stuff and then find out that there's a problem. And then, you know, me spending weeks uh, on working the case and then I mean just then uh, the people that walk free and just a real shit show and and what do you do you know at the time really there was no better system than than what they had in place so the evidence is everything and I told you again last week I like I've had to spend days looking for evidence digging through piles of shit and, and uh, you know, for things that were lost. And uh, we'd find them most of the time. But I've, I've, I've helped people where we couldn't find some of it. But it's evidence. You have a responsibility, I think, as a law enforcement professional to really, really treat that like it's your own baby. Because if you're going to take this person's freedom based off your probable cause, and then you need to follow through with the case. And that's what Mr. Kearney Foster, my first chief, was so hard on people about. It's like, hey, you fuckers don't show up for court or you didn't, your evidence thing wasn't right or whatever. Hey, your job doesn't end when you put them in jail. Your job doesn't end until after you get the conviction, right? So evidence, evidence, evidence. And it was everything. And it's everything. The man hours, it's all, it's all you do. And... I'm going to tell y'all, I'm going to read you a case real quick. And then next week, I'm going to tell you the solution and why. And again, I want, I want any lifer out there who has ever had or knows someone who's had a problem with evidence like mishandling. Now, look, there's different ways. Evidence can, cops can hide evidence on purpose. It, uh, it, it certainly has happened because they're dirty, right? And for whatever reason, or they get bribed or they're involved, whatever it may be. Or simple, more common is, is shit. They, they take in so much evidence every single day and it's all got to be stored. It all has to be housed. And then a lot of times, guess what? The people that work the evidence room, and I'm not, certainly not saying everybody, y'all, but the, the apartments that are big enough to have people that, uh, that work the evidence rooms, a lot of times that's the people who have been injured 
on the job and can't work the street anymore. And shit, their heart isn't, isn't in the evidence. And, and so they take it in and yeah, I mean, it might get filed correctly or might not. And well, what happens if your evidence person retires and you get a new evidence person comes in and they don't, and you might have had your own system. There's no policy and procedure. You might have had your own system and they don't know what the hell it is and how are they going to find the evidence. And then you got the chain of custody going back and forth to the labs and all that. I mean, it's just a lot. And it's so important. And if you, uh, if you're a lifer out there and you've ever had the problem yeah, where your case got dismissed, especially on a criminal case, I want to know about it. So email me, woody at realliferealcrime.com, or you can message me or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I know I don't like to use notes, but I want to read you a case. Uh, and I just, just hit Google about evidence in the state of Louisiana, and this case popped up. And I'm going to read it to you, and I'll tell you who it's by. It's by Steve Hardy, and it's stevehardyattheadvocate.com, uh, and the article is from April 22nd of 2017. Now, this is the first one that I came to, y'all. I could have gone to and picked up a million of them, but like I said, the evidence mishandling could be malicious by malintent on the cops. It could just be pure human, human error, which it is most of the time. Or I mean, you get, stuff gets lost, or whatever, or you know, the malfeasance. Like I told you on the story about this cop who was still in the pain pills out of the evidence room, right? That career cop, and by the way, he got out of law enforcement like right after that, y'all, to conclude that case for you. And he's no longer—I don't even know if he's still alive, to be honest with you—but he's no longer on the job. I know that, and he went ahead and, and retired out. But I want to read you this article. Just give you a scope, and then I'll close it out, and then then next week I'm gonna, I'm gonna explain to you what I found, and and please send in uh, any cases that you have or personal knowledge or experience you have where shit got messed up. So the title of this article is Baton Rouge DA Innocence Project Tangle Over Missing Evidence in a Rape Case. It says a nonprofit legal aid group is trying to reopen the books on a decades-old East Baton Rouge Parish rape conviction by tracking evidence for DNA testing. However, the bloodstains, bed sheets, rape kit, and sunglasses have disappeared from the evidence record since the 1980s. East Baton Rouge Parish District Attorney Hiller Moore said he plans to resist any attempts to turn his evidence room over looking for clues his office does not believe are there. Roy Morgan was convicted and sentenced to life in 1983 for rape of a victim identified only as L. H. In an application for post-conviction relief, attorneys with the Innocence Project New Orleans wrote that Morgan has always denied committing the rape and that the only direct evidence of his guilt was a single eyewitness identification by the victim. In 2010, Morgan asked the court to submit various evidence for DNA testing, which wasn't available when his case was first considered by the court. Specific evidence he wanted tested includes the rapist's sunglasses, knocked off in a struggle, Blood left at the crime scene from a cut on the assailant's arm, the victim's bed sheets, which could be tested for blood, semen, and the results from a sexual assault kit collected at a hospital. 
The 19th Judicial District Court denied Morgan's request because the evidence could not be located for testing. His request states, however, in November, the Innocence Project staff were investigating an unrelated case and found misfiled evidence from other investigations jumbled together in the same box, the request states. Morgan's attorneys made supplemental filing and earlier this month, the First Circuit Court ordered the local court to hold a new hearing to determine whether the specified items of evidence susceptible to the DNA testing still, still exist. The two sides disagree over how much digging that will, will require. The district attorney's office has already gone the extra mile by searching the file with the misidentified evidence and found no material related to Morgan's case, prosecutors wrote in a response to the Innocence Project's request. The Innocence Project wants the court to allow investigators to comb through much more than the district attorney's storage space. Counsel for Roy Morgan requested an expansive exercise of judicial power based on meager evidence. There is no factual or legal basis to order the district attorneys to do more than it has already done in regards to this case, they wrote. It appears that, given the 30 years that have passed since the commission of the crime, that the evidence no longer exists or can no longer be found. Innocence Project New Orleans Director Emily Maul fired back saying, it is indefensible for prosecutors to claim they look for Morgan's case evidence in the most obvious place, but then gave up the search. She believes the most likely explanation is that the bed sheets, rape kit, and other items are still in the district attorney's custody, but somewhere along the line, it was mis misidentified or improperly inventoried. It's a fairly common problem in old cases, and a more thorough search could set the record straight, Maul said. The burden of diligently searching for files in furtherance of the district court's investigation is nothing compared to the potential and unimaginable injustice of Mr. Morgan dying in prison for a crime he did not commit simply because an evidence custodian could not be bothered to diligently look within its own storage, attorneys wrote in their application. Moore said in an interview that it would be ridiculous for the court to allow the Innocence Project to look through all his storage, briefly alluding to concerns about contamination of evidence. However, he said he needs to hear Morgan's attorney's proposal before he can respond more directly. So I have no idea what they're going to ask, the district attorney said. Moore said that the two sides and the court still have to work out how a search is to be formed and how to handle any evidence that may turn up. She said that any items that may have DNA connected to Morgan's case is pretty clearly eligible for genetic testing. There could be a fallout for the district attorney's office if it's misplaced evidence. Maul referred to an Innocence Project case in New York in which a man named Alan Newton was convicted of a rape in 1985. He requested a DNA test in 1994 to try and clear his name according to the information on the Innocence Project's website. Prosecutors said the evidence he wanted to test was presumed lost, but during a search 11 years later, the victim's rape kit was found and DNA from sperm collected after the attack was not a match to Newton. He sued the district attorney's office in one law said.
And that's the end of the article, y'all. But what, the reason I want to read that to you is this shit happens. And, and let me tell you something. Hiller Moore and the district attorney's office of Baton Rouge, they're squared away. It, but this obviously happened before Hiller Moore became district attorney. Again, what I said, what happens if uh, the DA's custodian retires and somebody else comes in and this dude's been using the system for 20 plus years and they know whatever and now the system's all jacked up, they can't find it. And, and I don't think it's unreasonable for a person to be allowed a DNA test to prove his innocence or not, right? And uh, um, if, especially if DNA wasn't allowed back then. But what's bad is when you go to your evidence room, you say, hey, I need to pull all evidence associated with a file number 2021-0201, whatever, right? And they come back and say, uh, we can't find it or we don't have anything. I'm like, mm, well, the reports state that you have it in the evidence room. Mm, let me go look again. Well, come back, uh, can't find it, don't have it. And okay, can you check your books? Check the books. Oh, it shows it was checked in on such and such date. Well, this is a locked motherfucking room, right? And then, then they were like, oh, give us a couple of days and we'll go look for it. And then they spending all this time and you're waiting. They're spending man hours. Is going back and forth, and and whatever the the reason may be, it could be something as serious as a murder case or a rape case like that, or it could be something small like the story I told you about. With the, it's not small, but the pain pills missing from the evidence room that were taken for because the guy had an addiction, and uh, and that's the way he got his fix or helped to get his fix. So there's human error. Because you're, you know, you're addicted, or you're you're a bad cop, and, and you want to hide evidence for whatever reason, or just simple, simple, more common is these people handle such a shit ton of evidence every day that shit gets lost. I mean, it just happens, and in hell, I lose my remote control. Uh, I get up and go get some tea out of the icebox, come back to watch TV. I lose remote control, right? I mean, so if I can do that, if you handle. 50,000 pieces of evidence a month, you think something can't get lost? And it's just a fact of nature, uh, and it happens, and I have more cases, and, but there's a reason I'm telling you all this, okay? And there's one, one of the big ones I'm, I'm going to tell at a later date uh, after the case is adjudicated. But I found out how to stop it, and it's easy peasy, and it's, it is a solution for everyone, and it not only can stop it and it's been proven to stop it but this this system this fix if you will is actually a local homegrown patented idea that actually came to formation and uh it's just genius when, when i tell you about it I, and I, I didn't know about it and i didn't know the system existed and they're just getting out there and they've done the proof of concept, et cetera, and they're just getting out there. And, and I, I can promise you this, it won't be long, and there will be every department in the United States of America, every district attorney's office, whatever, is going to be using this system. And next week, I'm going to have on a guest who, who I guess you can call him the CEO or, or the head of this company, 
And it is something I absolutely believe in 1000% to the point that if you've been screwed for whatever reason on evidence case, and you know someone who has, then I want to know about it. And in the future, as I can, I'm going to do more evidence episodes because I have them in uh, some of them a little touchy and iffy and I haven't been adjudicated. And I can't talk about it yet because um, I don't know what's going to happen with it next week. Tune in. I'm going to blow your mind with the real deal. And I'm going to include this episode of Pad Tracks. And thank you for listening. So next week, I'll have a guest with me on the show. It's going to trip you out. All right. That being said, all my regular stuff. Just for Courtney Coco. Man, just keep hanging in there, y'all. Just for Courtney. Justice for Barbara Blunt. The hotline tip line is 225-395-1302. Y'all, please continue to use it. The Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office is actively working the case. I am actively working the case. COVID has just got us screwed, but we're still, I mean, I'm still taking tips, right? But everything can't be followed up on because there's no manpower, and, and including my own, to be able to get out and do everything that needs to be done. But it is being worked. So just for Miss Barbara, local businesses, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep saying this every week because I believe in it. We are doing all the national commercials for those, those of you who aren't patron members and you have to listen to commercials. Well, the, I don't really, you know, I don't like you having to listen to me more than I do, but we have to make a living. So we have all these national commercials, right? And the, that I'm spoke, uh, spokesperson for and stuff like that. Let's bring it home, people. Uh, local. If you have a local business and you want to, you want us to blow you up. Show us how we can help you. Then you can you contact us or contact Cindy C Y N D I at realliferealcrime.com or Woody at realliferealcrime.com, and we have a, all the demographics and all the the studies and everything else to show you how we can help your business. And we can show you the proof of concept of how we are helping all the national businesses. But I like to support local. So let's bring it home. Y'all like us, share us, follow, subscribe. The That's something I never really ask you to. Wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe to it. It's free. Subscribe to Real Life Real Crime because we do these episode drops. If I don't put it out there, people are like, where's the episode? And I used to post it on all the social media with the links to it, et cetera. I don't do that anymore. But if you subscribe, anytime I put something in the system, you'll get an alert that we, you have something new from Real Life or Crime. So you do that. In Instagram, at Overton Woody, at, or, or at Real Life Real Crime. Y'all go check it out. I put funny stuff on there all the time. Totally different than our Facebook stuff. Facebook, I cannot accept any more personal friends. I'm past the 5,000 mark, so you can hit me up on our regular Real Life Real Crime page. But more importantly, we have the Real Life Real Crime friends, fans, and crew, K-R-E-W-E, private group. Go and ask to join. Uh, it's over 31,000 members. Go and ask to join. And Dream Team moderators will get you approved. If you're a true crime fan, don't go in there. And get butt hurt if you're not a true crime fan. Okay, that's for true crime fans, and um, and I interact with the fans every day, and and the fans interact with each other. Lifers interact with each other, etc. The real life, real crime lanyard page. Anything you want to post from your missing dog to 
to anything you sell or jokes, or whatever. That's another private group though, y'all. It takes one minute to apply and our dream team moderators will get you approved for it. But you can go in there and post anything you want to. It's um, not true crime related. And I guess that's about it. I'm going to shut it down for this week. Next week's important. I need you to listen to the fixes I wish would have been in place when I was in law enforcement. I damn sure can help them get in place now so nobody else has to suffer for my taxpayer dollars won't be wasted for people looking for evidence. But um, as always, LOPA is my passion. Louisiana, Oregon Procurement Agency. Look at my map on the wall here of our listener countries. Uh, Pakistan. Pakistan, if you want to be, if you're a listener or a lifer in Pakistan and you want to be an organ donor, you don't have to be from the state of Louisiana. You go to LOPA dot org l-o-p-a dot org spell out to be an organ donor y'all please be a hero give the gift of life and sight and all that good stuff right and anyway again i'm going to be doing some uh, episodes in the future where organ donors that were victims of homicides actually saved lives so it's important sign up lopa.org and they do have a section on there, y'all. Um, they've actually added a real life, real crime, and how did you hear about us? And it said, if you want to check real life, real crime. And that's it. I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. <laughs> Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Template.